0: chapter 15 of miss Inglis by gertrude hall this LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by Matt Perard. chapter 15 grace had preferred a summer theatre this evening to a drive and after it had asked to be brought home instead of being taken for an ice the lover felt defrauded and with the aversion to parting for the night which marks the heartily in love coaxed grace to come with him to the dining room where he being famished would find himself a bite the house was in darkness but for one high-hung jewelled lantern in the hall teresa had gone to jaffa road to look after the bothersome things connected with opening the house and had taken pinky and Sita with her they were spending the night The rest had very likely gone to bed, or the young men had not yet come in. The servants were not required to sit up, so it was a silent as well as dark house into which Clarence let himself, by a turn of his latchkey, through the door at the end of the entrance hall. They passed into the gallery, encircling the rotunda, hollow and dimly vast with a hall light making only just visible the clusters of gigantic pearls that were its unlighted lamps. She followed the curving line of his course to the dining-room door, and stood till he had lighted up with a tinkle of clashing prisms. The room flashed into brilliancy. Clarence placed a chair for her. Now, wait a moment. I know how I can disappoint the cook. I'll find where she has hidden the cold duck. He came back, grinning with the look of a big schoolboy, successful in some unlawful foray, and carrying the platter of duck. He found crackers in the dining-room cupboard. He found glasses and filled them with a sweet toquet, for her sake, for he did not much like sweet wines. Then he seated himself near, helped her, and fell to. I told you, Claire, that I wasn't hungry, she reminded him when he showed concern, because she was not doing her share. To please me, he said, offering a tempting bite at the end of a fork, and it was again so like a schoolboy that she took it. Then he offered his glass to her lips, to christen. She shook her head, but as he pressed it, looking self of their best hours, she took a sip, and thereupon unbent a little, as it seemed to him whose eyes while amorous were both watchful and keen they chatted while he devoured a healthy young man's supper she appearing a little tired and with it he felt as always the more interesting the shadows darkened around her eyes when she was tired and her tired smile was doubly enchanting when with her elbows on the table and her head thrown back she looked at one thoughtfully yet absently between her lashes, and seemed far away in a dream whither ordinary men could not follow. Would one not have liked to crush her like a cluster of grapes into a goblet? Then drink it dry to find out what the baffling girl's inwardness, her essence, was really like. There had been a silence between them of a minute or two, when Grace, for the first time that evening, spoke unspoken to, Her voice was peculiarly quiet and arresting. "'Claire, I want to go away,' she said. He looked at her with an instantaneous solicitude, but took a moment before speaking to observe her. "'I have been afraid. You were getting overtired, dearest. I've been noticing it now for several days. We are such husky fellows in our family. We overdo the year round, and never feel it but you're different. It won't do for you to overdo. It's my fault. I ought to have guarded you better. Well, sweetheart, there are only two weeks and a little over to wait, and we shall be going away. It's nice at Jaffa Road. You'll see, Grace. You'll like it. You can be outdoors the whole day long. Big, shady piazzas. Hammocks. Then there's the beach. Crowded or solitary, as you prefer, according to the part of it you choose. The girls sit on the sands by the hour. I get down at about four. I'll take you sailing on the Inez's second dandy boat. We'll ride horseback, too. I'll teach you. We'll—' Grace interrupted him, speaking in the same composed and steady voice. "'I don't want to go to Jaffa Road, Claire "'Not Jaffa Road?' His tone and face expressed a certain wonder. "'You think—' "'Do you?' "'Where should you like to go, then, dearest?' "'I want to go to Florida. "'To my sister Lydia.' "'Claire watched her in silence "'while trying to get his bearings "'among new and unmapped lands. "'He brusquely laughed. (laughs) "'No, made of many and curious inventions. "'Find a better one. "'Don't tell me you're homesick for Lydia, "'not for Lydia and Beatty.' "'No,' he crowed. No, I insist. I see what it is. It's my family that you can't stand. You're right. Aren't they swine? He came out with comic violence. I know all about them, and understand why you, oh princess that couldn't sleep on twenty mattresses over one pea, should find them sickening to live with. Tell me, have they... Has anyone done anything in particular to you? Anything spiteful? "'Rebecca's the damnedest of them all. "'Has she annoyed you? "'But Alex, a poisonous ape, too. "'Just tell me, Grace, and I'll wring their necks. "'Now I frightened you. "'Oh, I'm a beast, like the rest. "'Don't I know that you wouldn't make a peep of complaint, "'you polite angel, "'if they put pins in your pillow "'and red pepper in your pie? "'You've not accused them, but I'm informed. "'And now, dearest... What is there we can do? If you don't think you could manage to stick it out until the middle of September, all I can see for it is that we should bring the date of the wedding nearer. What do you say to that? I don't want the wedding day brought nearer. Just the other way, Claire. I want to put it off. At the look he gave her of slowly growing, dismayed astonishment, she changed her tone to one not so dry and firm. She trembled with earnestness. Oh, can't you see, Clare, can't you feel that we don't know each other well enough to be married so soon? Don't you realize how little, in any true sense, you know of me?" He let out a sound of relief and looked himself again. He copied her posture, leaning his elbows on the table and his chin on his clasped hands. He watched her with sparkling amusement. All I need to know about you, oh graciousness, oh goodness, is that you are sweetest-scented little prickly rose, the most mellifluous little pecking canary that I have ever met. If I am ready to marry you on that, what objection have you to make? But if you imagine that I don't know you, I know you, my lady, a heap better than you think. You look so artless, and you're so sly, so simple, and you're so deep, so meek, when you're really a vixen. You have, in fact, oh miss, oh modesty, with all your refreshing innocence and delicate air, the makings of a most awful little flirt. With this coming on, then drawing off, this inviting, then repulsing, making yourself scarce, making yourself precious warm one minute, cold the next, refusing your lips every single time and having to be prevailed upon all over again, full of more fancies than the most acrobatic imagination can flap after. If you wanted to make sure that your slave and victim would never escape you, or let you escape from him, you couldn't have taken a safer line grace had become deeply quiet again. In every word you say, you are proving, you see, that what I said is true, that you don't know me at all. If you did, you would know that it is the simple truth that I want to go away. Be serious, Clare, and listen, and believe what I say, no matter how much it astonishes you. I want to go away, for the sake precisely, of being far from you, yes, from you, whether for a long or a short time, I can't tell, but I want to be away from your domination, your atmosphere, until I can get back possession of myself, until, can't you see, I feel my soul my own, very likely to give myself over again, but in any case, to do what I do, from my own free will now what the well well that is a point of view something of course has happened to put you in this frame of mind sitting there talking to me like a little book of metaphysics what is it grace have i done something to offend you the measure of the extent to which i try not to little one it's not likely that you'll ever get the way i've looked out for my language my manners my morals since I've known you, it would soften a marble image to contemplate. Now, just tell me what I've done wrong. Tell me what you want me to do. I have told you, came from Grace, I want you to let me go. He had a laugh for her, solemn, obstinacy. Ah, no, Psyche, girl with the lamp. If you propose to go off by yourself and think me over in cold detachment, you can say to yourself with conviction, like rock, that it won't be because I've consented and held the door open for you to pass. What ridiculous stuff all this is, my pet! He blustered in desperation. Did you tell me there was insanity in your family? In your priggish moments you may want to dissect and classify the sentiments that bind us together, But if you have the astounding hardihood to to intimate, at this time of day, that we were not made for each other, I have just one answer for you. No, no, the gesture with which you shoo an obnoxious bumblebee won't do. I never in the world could have made you care for me if I had been a woolly lamb. Grace, incomprehensible child," he burst forth, in a new and poignant voice what makes you want to break my heart she did not struggle in his arms because they were too hopelessly strong she withdrew herself from the surface that his lips pressed and offered such blankness as might have discouraged one less fixed of will but him her deadness incited to try the more to bring her to life to warmth that he could make her feel how much he loved her better than he could tell her had been his pertinent thought. Between the kisses with which he smothered her cheeks and unresponding lips, he murmured the fond things bubbling from a deeply stirred heart. He held her away from him, finally, to scan her little impassive face for some hopeful sign. It looked, pure and waxen, like the mask of one at once suffering and asleep. Tears hung at the edge of her lashes. Again he brought her close and kissed her tears. "'You don't want to go away from me, do you?' he whispered, moved to the verge of tears, too. "'Aren't you as much mine as I am yours?' She nodded very faintly, and her lips shaped a soundless, "'Yes.' End of chapter 15